Well, uh, tonight we have a very, very special guest with us, um, Mr. Mr. Jamie Graham. Uh, so you guys, if you don't know, Jamie Graham, how many of you guys know that we have a, a second campus of hope? Some of you guys know that? Okay. We have another campus of hope out in Boulder City, and uh, that's where Jamie and I connect. And so, um, and so we're out there every Tuesday night, so it's like refuge here, but way sketchier. And I'll let him describe a little bit more. <laughs> about that but uh it's it's incredible and so jamie's over there every week doing what scott does preaching talking to kids sharing jesus and we've just seen some incredible incredible things and so without further ado mr jamie graham everybody what's up vegas refuge what's up all right all right i gotta tell you something gotta tell you right now i ain't never worn one of these things so hey whoa 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 whoa. where you going messed up my mojo all right hey y'all gotta do me a favor Everybody stand up for me. Stand up, get a little bit of room. I got you, we're gonna hook you up here. We gotta I gotta get a little chill. Dude. Alright. Alright, get some room, go like this. Everybody turn one way or the other. I don't care which way. Okay? Cool? Wow, dude, you can't see everybody from here. That's a trip. Okay, now, take your foot and try to go the other direction. I can't do it. Can anybody do that? Right? Can you do it? Can anybody do it? Because, like, I've been trying this for, like, 15 years. I cannot get it. All right, here's what I need. I need one boy, one... I need one boy, one girl that thinks that they can rock this out. Yeah, you got to come up here. You got to be able to do this and go like this. Come on, come on. You can do it. Huh? Up here, up here, up here. We got a boy that thinks they can do it. I can't see, man. Oh, hey, now I can see. Whoa. How did I know Tyler was going to be the man? Tyler! Hey, I learned something really cool about Tyler. Tyler, come here. Hey, come here, come here. Hi. Hi, how are you? How are you, man? How are you? Hey, you, boy, you laugh, this guy's taking over Apple, I'm telling you. It's going to happen. All right, now, all right, you guys are the judges, all right? Hand out. Turn it. That's not even close, bro. There it is. Awesome. What is your name? Kara. Kara, you rock. I think I know you. Hey, we got this thing at BC. I call it the 100 grand challenge. If you can pull it off, you win 100 grand. And lucky you, you get eight of them. 100 grand for Kara. Nice job. All right, y'all have a seat. Have a seat. Have a seat. Hey, you know, um, yeah, I'm, uh, I'm out in Boulder City. It's a little bit different out there. And I got to tell you something. I'm super excited to be here. Really nervous, but really excited. And, uh, and I, um, like, thank you. this front row just made me feel right at home. Because, like, in Boulder City, dude, they talk and they talk and they talk. And I'm like, dude, wait. But anyway, um, so check this out. I totally lost my train of thought. Oh, I'm so excited. And this is why. This is the first time I've actually made it up on stage and remembered to go pee first. Dude, seriously, Micah, that one was for you. So it was really awesome. Um, all right, so uh, we're continuing our study in Philippians chapter 2. And um, if you weren't here last week, we started Philippians 2. Our series is called Philippians chapter 2. Dude, isn't that phenomenal? Love that name. But um, if you guys weren't here last week or you might have missed out, I kind of want to back up a little bit and just kind of do a quick review of uh, chapter one and, and uh, what, um, yeah, that guy, the dude with the dreads, him, what he might have been talking about. Um, Philippians, who wrote Philippians? Anybody? 
Peter, really? I hope that wasn't a dude from Lake Mead right there, because that would have been a bum deal. All right. All right, so Apostle Paul wrote Philippians. Man, I like to call him Rockstar Paul. I mean, Paul, Paul was this phenomenal dude, man. I mean, God gripped this man's heart. He was like the all-time bad dude of the world. I mean, what, what did he do for a good time before he became Paul? Killed Christians, right? I mean, he was a murderer. I mean, you can't think of anybody further from God than somebody that's killing God's people. But, you know, God gripped his heart. And uh, Paul came to Christ, and he went from being a Christian killer to preaching the gospel. You know, Paul, um, he went from throwing people in jail for their faith to being jailed himself multiple times. I mean, the dude was a rock star. Uh, uh, among other things, I mean, he was a missionary of all missionaries, right? How many of you guys are like Bible scholars? Anybody? You know, neither am I. Thanks. Um, but he was like the missionary of all missionaries, man. If you checked out like the Jewish dictionary of missionaries, here's Paul. You know, he, the dude was just rocking. And one of the things that he's well known for, right, was he most well known for? Starting churches. And Philippian church was no different, man. Paul, uh, the Philippian church was the, one of the very first churches Paul ever got going. And this is what I love about Paul. Dude, whoever did the lights, thank you, because now I can see. Um, this is what was cool about Paul. He didn't start churches with, like, religious leaders. You know, he didn't get the Pharisees and the Sadducees and all them yo-yos to do things. Man, he, like, picked, like, the oddest people. Um, I'm sure, man, like, Michael was telling you about, uh, what was that? That jailer dude, man, you know, like, the jail bus open, and the jail dude was going to kill himself because, like, the doors open, and Paul's like, no, nah, dude, come, start church with me. I mean, he was like that. It was crazy. You know, he met that woman that sold the purple linens. Anybody know the story about purple linens? Huh? Thank you. And I don't even go to Lake Mead Christian Academy. I mean, that's impressive. Dude. Because, like, when you're there, they know all the answers. How many Lake Meaders do we got here? Come on, lift it up. Eagles. That's what I'm talking about. Yeah. I'm not partial to anything, but, yeah. All right. So, anyway, the Church of Philippi was one of, the, one of uh, uh, Paul's signature churches, man. I mean, this church was rocking. Started by some of the oddest people. And, um, <coughs> excuse me. It was a growing, thriving church. It was, I mean, it was right on the money, man. They loved the Lord, and they were, they, were, they were reaching out to people. They were getting persecuted and standing up persecution. They were hanging out with Paul, man, sending him money, which was like, I guess you're not supposed to do hang out with jail people back then. But, I mean, you know, that's what they say. So, anyway, so Paul starts the whole chapter one with, like, salutation. Dude, what's up? I love you. I miss you, man. I'm praying for you. Thanks for supporting me. Man, just keep it up, all right? Just keep going. You know, Paul just, the whole... Chapter 1 is just all about him letting them know how much he's praying for them. And uh, he finishes chapter 1 by encouraging them to continue strong. Which brings us up to chapter 2. And tonight, well, I'm supposed to be in, actually, I'm supposed to be in 3 and 4. And, uh, but I kind of want to review verses 1 and 2 because if you don't grasp, check this out. If you don't grasp verses 1 and 2, 3 and 4 make no sense whatsoever. Hello? You got to get 1 and 2 or else you don't get 3 and 4. So let me read 1 and 2 for us real quick. Therefore, if there is any encouragement in Christ, if there is any consolation of love, if there is any fellowship of the Spirit, any affection and compassion, make my joy complete by being of same mind, maintaining the same love, united in spirit, intent on one purpose. Man, Paul just lays out like five relational aspects of Christ here. He's like, check it out. Jesus is encouragement. You know, we just did a perspective. We've covered, we covered that a few weeks ago. Ultimate encouragement, Jesus. Love. God didn't only design love. I mean, God is love. You want to understand love? Understand God. That's love. Right? Spiritual fellowship. We've got the Father, Son, the Holy Spirit in unity together. Fellowship of the Spirit. And then he mentions affection and compassion. 
I mean, who was more compassionate than Jesus? Everywhere he went, the people came and he felt compassion for them. So he lays out these relational aspects of the Father. Now, let me ask you this. When you accept Jesus as your personal Lord and Savior, where does he dwell? Where does he live? Somebody tell me. Smart crew. See, now in B.C., they'd be like, in Texas. (laughs) Anybody from B.C. here? Don't rap me out for lying, all right? Just kidding. Yeah, so Christ comes into our heart, right? Okay, now, if Jesus is living in me, and these are aspects of Jesus' life, who else has the ability to have these attributes in their life? Crickets. Thank you. Thank you, thank you. We do, right? We have all these abilities. Because of the fact that Christ lives in us, man, we've got the ability to love others. Because of Christ, we have the ability to encourage others. Not of our own strength, but because of Christ, we have these abilities. It's phenomenal. So, excuse me. The relational aspects of Jesus are in in, in of ourselves. When we read this text, therefore, if there's any encouragement in Christ... In the original text, this is crazy. Like, anybody know Pastor Neil? That dude rocks. Yeah, he showed me this. It's cool. So in the original language, it really says, where it says, therefore, if. In the original language, it means, therefore, because, or therefore, since. Therefore, because you have encouragement in Christ. Therefore, because you have encouragement in love. So he's basically saying, because of Christ in me, I have the ability to encourage others. I have the ability to love others. I have the ability... To have fellowship with Christ. Jesus accomplishes all that through us. Not of ourselves. He accomplishes through us. Which brings me to verses 3 and 4. Here we go. Do not regard. I'm sorry. Excuse me. Do nothing from selfishness or empty conceit. But with humility of mind. Regard one another as more important than yourselves. Do not merely look out for your own interests. But also for the interests of others. Paul's basically saying this. Look. If you've got Christ in you. You've got these attributes in you. If you've got, therefore, <coughs> excuse me, you've got the ability to love people, and he says, if Christ is in you, man, don't be selfish. Don't be conceited. Now, what do you suppose, this is what killed me. I was like, I had to ask this question. What do you suppose Paul felt like he had to tell one of the most rocking churches ever not to be selfish or conceited? You know, I was reading that, and I'm thinking, all right, dude, why? Why did you have to go there? Well, this is what I'm thinking. I, I, I really believe that Paul knew, as we all knew, how easy it is to fall from grace, right? I mean, as you're walking through your week, man, it's easy to be like, get up to your quiet time, everything's rocking, and then you get to school, and then bam, man, you just blow it big time. You know, Paul knew that, so he's like, dude, be careful, watch out. You know, he also had the Corinthian church, man. This is crazy. Paul started this church in Corinth. You Bible scholars know that church was whacked, man. I mean, they started out for Christ, and then they went off into, I don't know, left field or something. I mean, it was nuts. So Paul knew what, it, what would happen if they got off track. And this is, the, this is the one of the best things, I think. Paul understood this. And this is, I mean, I'll tell you what. If you ever have to stand in front of somebody and preach and, and share Christ, you'll learn this one. A successful church is desperate before God. We, as individuals in Christ, man, we have to stay desperate, daily desperate for Christ. And Paul knew that. That's why he was sharing this with the church. He knew the importance of relying on the Lord for strength. So he says to him, man, don't do anything selfish. Don't be conceited. So tell me something. Anybody in here? Show some hands. Anybody ever done anything selfish? Everybody that's not raising your hand, you're a liar. Come on. Man, we've all done it, right? 
I mean, what does society teach us? Look out for number Look out for number one, right? Did anybody read that in like the, the book of God somewhere? It's not in the Bible anywhere. Look out for number one. It's something that society teaches us, right? But check it out. We were born selfish. Anybody in here babysitters? You guys watch kids? Watch more than one at a time? All right. Oh, my. Uh, that was so funny. Yeah. Man, it's like the longest 33.2 minutes of my life. Dude. All right, look, check this out. So I got a scenario for you. Anybody here named John? Thank you, Lord. All right, so little Johnny. Little Johnny's got his little plastic motorcycles. I like motorcycles. He's got them all laid out on the floor. Like he's got his Kawasaki, and he's like, I'm Ryan Villapoto. You know? <laughs> and then, like, little Susie's over here, and she's got her doll. And she's like, I don't know what girls do with dolls. She's got her doll. <laughs> Whatever. Right? You know, Johnny's over here, he's like, bah, bah, you know, and little Susie's over here going like this. Yeah, that's what I'd be doing. Huh? Oh, thank you. Whatever, girl stuff. Whatever, sorry. So pretty soon Susie gets smart. She's like, walks over to a little stack of motorcycles, picks up the KTM because nobody likes KTM, so. Pick up the KTM and be like, bah, hope you don't have one. Sorry. Bah. And what's Johnny? What's the first thing Johnny does? He looks over and he's like, rips it out of her hand. And what does he say? Mine. God, look, you guys are rocking. And you try to tell me you weren't selfish. Come on. Right? Mine. Who taught that child to say mine? Man, I got two kids. Let me tell you the one word I never had to teach my children. Mine. Well, penguin. Yeah, that too. Dude. I never had to teach my kids penguin. That's awesome. Mine, right? I mean, when my kids were small, I'd be like, say daddy, say daddy, say daddy. And like Dylan would be like, you know. And one day he'd be like, daddy. Now leave me alone so I can play, you know. Daddy. And I'd jump and I'm like, yes. And I'd go to my wife and I'm like, babe, Dylan's first word was daddy. And she's like, no, it wasn't. Yesterday he said, mine. I'm just like, God. So selfishness, right? All right. One more question. Who's got this friend? The that guy friend right here. I call shotgun. Come on. Who's got the I call shotgun friend? Okay, let me tell you something. Let me tell you something. If you're not raising your hand, it's you. All right? It's you. You are that friend. Now, we've all been there. It's like this. Dude, we're going to Knott's this weekend. I got shotgun. No rock. Rock. Something like that, I don't know. Shotgun! Dude, and you're like there, like, oh, me first, I'm getting live first. Me this, me that. You know, we got that, that just, as we progress in life, we get that way, right? So, <coughs> selfishness. Paul goes on to mention conceited or vain. It could be conceited or vanity. Kind of interchangeable. Anybody know anybody van- that's vain? Come on, ladies. Right? I'm not even going to go there, because I see a whole lot of makeup. This one right here, she's like, she was doing the hair, you know, <laughs> right? Vanity. Um, now, I'm going to give you a couple, a little bit of embarrassing things about myself, it's just because, like, this is all me. Um, one, of the, one of the things I like to do when I'm on the road, if I've got time, if somebody's stuck, has something wrong with their car, I like to try home with their car. You know, it's kind of like the only thing I can do because I can't speak in front of people, so I help people on their cars. 
Um, so, I, you know, I get on the freeway, and like a little old lady, she's got like a flat tire, you know, she's like, hey, you know, and AAA's not coming, everybody's like, you know, nobody's stopping. So, yeah, I pull over, I help her change her tire, whatever. All right, cool, all fine and dandy, right? Well, here's the problem. I get going. As soon as I get back in the car and I'm going where I'm headed, right, this thought gets into my mind. How can I work this into that conversation when I get there? Now, you know, I don't think that in my mind, but this is what happens. I get to my place, and I'm like, yeah, man, I'm sorry I'm late for Bible study, but I had to stop this help this little old lady flat tire. <laughs> you know, I was doing that God thing, you know. <laughs> you know, and you bring, it, you bring it a whole, you know, you don't say that, but that's what's coming, you know. And then your buddies, you're hoping your buddies are like, man, that dude's a Christian. Yeah. <laughs> right? You know, I, here's one a little bit more subtle. Quiet time. Spend a time with the Lord. God shows you something off the chain. I mean, it's dope, man. You're rocking. This is, Lord, manna from heaven. And this is what happens. I got Twitter. I'm like, oh, man, dude, I know the Lord has somebody that needs to hear this today. Now, I don't say that. I mean, I do. You know, I get the best. Like, now, there's nothing wrong with Twitter. And, and, and trust me on this one. If, if the Lord puts it on your heart to put something on Twitter, there's a good chance he did it for a reason. It's all about a heart motive. But a lot of times, man, I'll be like, it ain't a heart motive. I want somebody, I'm thinking, dude, Pastor Vance is on my Twitter. And if he reads that, he knows I'm a rockin' I'm worth being in BC, you know? So it's, really, so, you know, conceit, vanity, what is that? I mean, it just, there's no place for it. So just, that was just to give you a little, little bit of an example. So Paul's like, dude, be careful. Don't get selfish. Don't be conceited. That's not the things of Christ. Let's read on. It says, but with humility of one mind, regard one another more important than yourselves. Paul's like, dude, you want a, you want a barometer of your, of, your, of your walk with the Lord? Yeah. Do you put other people in front of yourself? Do you put other people more important than you? This text is written in what they call the present active form, which basically means that it's a continuous, ongoing, nonstop, all the time kind of action. Okay, well, that changes the playing field just a tad now, right? You mean I got to put somebody, I always got to like put everybody ahead of myself? You know, I always have to regard other people more important than myself? I mean, in and of ourselves, that's pretty, pretty much impossible, right? So, but here's, here's the saving grace. Thank you, Lord. If you keep reading, it says this, do not merely, only look out for your own personal interest, but also of the interest of others. I love that because it says do not merely or do not only. If you got another version, it says do not only. But it's like Paul says, look, it's all right to have your own interests. Okay, it's all right to have your own goals. You know, it's all right to have your own desires. The Bible says that God wants to fill your desires. He wants to give you the desires of your heart. He put them there. He wants to give them to you. But what he's saying is don't let them run your life. Be continuously concerned for those around you. Um, be continuously ready to put others before you. I love Pastor Vance. You know, everybody, everybody know this? If you've been going to church for, I don't know, a year, you've seen this. She's like, yeah, that's it. Vance likes to say, put everything on your fingertips, you know? And he's talking about your talents, your gifts, your finances. Man, be ready. Be ready to share those with people that are around you. Not that you have to, like, become a doormat and, like, woe is me, man. I'm going to go to the back of the line. You know what? You have shotgun every single time, forever and ever. Even though the driver's my total best friend, you can have it, you know? No, but seriously, being ready, being ready for Christ to show his love through you. Excuse me. All right, here's my wrap-up, and we'll be done. 
If you guys have been sleeping through all this, or if you take notes for class, you can take this, bust it out in about a half page, you'll have it. If I try and live from my own strength, I will have the tendency to be self-centered and conceited. However, if I rely on Jesus and allow him to live his life through me, I will be able to regard others as more important than, us, than ourselves. You know, Ultimately, the only thing standing in the way of you being unselfish is yourself. Surrendering to Christ fixes all that. Allowing him to live his life through you, through the daily time that you spend with him. Anybody in church this morning? Um, Travis nailed it. I mean, that daily walk is so deathly important. And as you do that daily walk, it manifests itself through your life. Let me pray for us. Uh, before we pray, um, you guys keep your heads bowed. You know, I, I, I like to throw a little humor in there, but um, seriously, um, I believe that any time that, uh, that, that God's word spoke, there's a time in that, that uh, God can speak to your heart. Um, for the longest time, I never knew exactly, you know, is that God? I don't understand. But you know that inner almost feeling in your gut, that, 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 that feeling of, of just, man, maybe I've been a little, little bit on the selfish side lately. Or, you know, I'm not living the way I need to be living. You know, that's, that's not really, that's not, you know, if it's like, dude, you're living really bad, that's Satan, man. God doesn't do that. God's like, come back, you know, surrender, resurrender. So if that's, if that's you tonight, I pray that you would just like do business with God as we pray. And then, um, yeah, let me pray for us. Father God, I thank you so much, Lord. God, I thank you for the fact that uh, it's your grace. It's by your grace that we're saved. It's by your grace that we can be eternally, daily surrendering to you. Not that it's one single action, Lord, but that it's a daily surrender. And that the only time that it doesn't become a surrender is when we decide to live for ourselves, Father. I thank you, God, that if we would just allow you to live through us, it's the hardest, most simplest thing. And I pray that you would just continue to make it the most simplest thing for us. Father, I pray for the students here that may not know you and they may be coming week after week and, you know, you're tugging on their hearts and they hear you talking in their hearts. Lord, I pray that, that you would just continue to work in their lives. Father, if, they, if they're ready to make a decision for you, Lord, I pray that they would talk to their small group leaders, talk to one of the leaders here. Father, I pray for everybody in this room. I thank you so much for the opportunity to be here. I thank you so much that you allow me to be a part of this great work that you're doing. I thank you for our group in Thailand. I pray that you keep them safe and healthy. And I pray these things all in your son's name. Amen.